G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. We didn't have an answering machine that went on at 5.30. You know, we diverted the phone to a mobile and we took that mobile home and it sat on the bedside table. So it was very common to get calls in the middle of the night. Not just a call, but like you had to wake up now because it was an emergency. It's like get in a cab and make your way to the airport and I will get you a ticket. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Lisa Tazia was a successful travel agent and enjoyed travelling the world. However, after God got a hold of her heart, she became a travel agent for the Lord and started Mission Travel. Today, Lisa will share about some of the missionaries she's been able to help over the years and also about some of the challenges she's faced being in the travel industry when COVID has absolutely changed everything. Lisa Tazia is sitting down and having a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Lisa Tazia, welcome to the program. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. And I should say thank you to you because years ago, my wife and I are missionaries here in Australia. And years ago, we used mission travel to travel back to the United States. So thank you very much for your ministry of mission travel. (laughs) You're so welcome. I'm glad that we got you where you needed to go. Yes, we did. (laughs) And that was a while ago. And we're going to find out more about how you became involved in Mm. mission travel. But first, let's find out where did it all begin? Where were you born and raised? So I was born in Melbourne, uh, but we moved to Adelaide when I was about five uh, for my dad's work. He worked for the Ford Motor Company, and we settled into a lovely uh, Adelaide community. I went to a Catholic primary school and secondary school, and our uh, our parish church was attached to the school, so there was a very sort of solid community there. So I was raised um, with, you know, lots of people in my neighborhood and back in the days when you could ride your bike and mm. be home by dark. Yeah. And it was a really, um, a really special time. But then as we do, we all grow up and we start to think we know everything about <laughs> everything. And uh, the tradition, I think, in our family was that when you got to about 16, you could decide for yourself whether or not you still wanted to attend church. So you had the choice. Yeah, that was sort of a bit of an unspoken rule in our home that Mm -hmm. when you got to a certain age, you could start making decisions for yourself. And so at the age of 16, it was a bit of a no-brainer to either sleep in on a Sunday morning or go to 9am mass. So I very quickly, I guess, fell off the wagon. Mm. And I I guess a a lot of people will be able to relate to that, that you've kind of, you've got your faith from your family. Mm. And then when it's time for you to make that decision to own it for yourself, you see that there's not really anything there behind your own personal experience. So just cutting that part out of your life at the time, you thought, no no big deal. Yeah, fully. Yeah, it was actually kind of a natural attrition. Okay, so Mm. a bit of faith growing up, but not enough to take you into your adult years. Yeah, that's right. But you did have a love for travel. 
Ooh, Is that yes. right? <laughs> yes. Did you always have a love for travel? Um, not really. I, I and and my family were not travelers, so I was the adventure junkie of the family oh. by getting into the travel industry and then taking advantage of all. Back then, we got really great deals. In fact, the first ten years in travel, I didn't pay for an airfare anywhere in the oh, world. Wow. They were free. Yeah. So I was living the dream and jet setting all over the world. I went to San Francisco for a weekend once. Oh, just for a weekend? Just for a weekend, because <laughs> that's just what you did. So, it was living this uh, very sort of glamorous, hedonistic uh, life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during that time, my mum got sick, and she died very quickly uh, from breast cancer. She mm. was 40, so it yeah. was a really shocking death, and I was only in my early, very early 20s and had started in travel at that time. And that was kind of the final straw in my apathy for faith. Mm-hmm. I think it went from apathy to anger. Oh, okay. And I felt really angry that if there was a God, uh, he wasn't very nice because he took my mum. And I made an almost intentional decision to shut God out of my mm. life when my mum passed away. But then, several years later, something occurred in your life that kind of changed that or started to change that? Yeah. So, we were still living this high life. But then I decided it was time to sort of settle down and, you know, got married and started having children. And when my firstborn came along, it was one of those surreal moments. It was a a moment in time where it felt like everything just stopped and I was holding her in my arms, still in the hospital, completely overwhelmed with joy Mm -hmm. and awe of this miracle, you know, this amazing baby. But very quickly after the awe was fear and trepidation of how do I raise this child? Where do I get my values from? Mm -hmm. What's my moral compass? Um, And I found myself, I was even surprised to be kind of looking back at my faith and my Mm -hmm. church life that, well, actually, that was a place where I did get um, direction and guidance and it kind of led me back to church, really with the view to just getting her baptised at that point. It was sort of a fairly, it was a bit of a flash in the pan moment. Yeah, isn't that interesting when you kind of dabble into faith or getting back to the roots of your religion? Oh, we'll start off with baptism. Mm. Kind of, well, maybe a a sprinkle of water will help help things. (laughs) Yes, it is quite quite bizarre when you think about it that way, yeah. but, but it's a start. Well, and obviously God had other plans yeah. because um, I even had a dream the night before she was baptised. Um, the, the the church that we chose was literally on the next corner from where we lived. So just geographically, that was the closest church. Um, so, that's, so if you're going to get your child baptised, might as well just go to the closest It might as well be church. just around the corner. Yeah. 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 Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> And they had a really old uh, notice board sign on the corner of this intersection. It was a very busy intersection, but the the sign looked like it had been there since the 60s and had never changed in the Mm. 10 years that we lived (laughs) around the corner. It just had 9 a.m. service, 11 a.m. service, you know, just the old letters that slot, you know, across. It had never changed. And then I had a dream that they had changed the sign announcing the baptism of my child which is a very (laughs) self-absorbed premonition to have, (laughs) uh, which I had not really – I hadn't even really realised that I'd had the dream until I got in my car and I drove to the intersection and I looked up and there it said, 9am, baptism of Ruby Sherry, my daughter. 
They you literally had changed the sign. For the first time in how many years? <laughs> Just like your dream? Yes. Oh, wow. It was amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I look back now and I say, wow, God had a plan for my life that- I think that would get your attention. It. I, yeah. I was actually freaked out. Yeah. Even creeped out because I didn't know what well, was what, happening. Yeah. What were you thinking? Yeah. I just thought it was weird. I look back now and think yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. But at the time it was kind of creepy weird. But kind of But a he nudge. had my attention. Yes. yes definitely. <laughs> definitely. So you have your, your baby baptized. Yeah. So part of the kind of deal talking to the minister at the church was that he was like, oh, you, you know, you haven't been to church for 10 years. Um, we're doing an alpha course, which is, you know, a refresher or an introduction to what Christianity is really about. Mm-hmm. And I felt really more obligated to go to the course rather than enthusiastic about going on the course. And so I just said yes, not realising that it was a 10-week course. I thought oh. it was like an afternoon tea. <laughs> a little bit more than you had expected. <laughs> yeah, so I got totally stitched up with that and I thought, well, we'll just take it one week at a time. And we were trying to come up with excuses about the baby and the church had organised a babysitter so that we could do the course together. Taking away all your excuses. They just took care of it. So we just went along and it was an absolutely transformational experience for me. It was great. Having had a basic knowledge of the Christian faith as a Catholic schoolgirl, uh, but there were a lot of unanswered questions that I was never, I never found myself in an environment where questions were welcomed mm-hmm. uh, and that you could wrestle and you could question and you could doubt and you could, you know, say, I don't get that or I don't, I don't believe in that or I don't like that Mm -hmm. and not be judged, but just sort of, you know, be worked through that process. So the Alpha course, if you've not heard of Alpha, I couldn't recommend it more highly. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really, really uh, foundational for a new faith Mm -hmm. uh, that I had. And so I came out of that course, you know, swinging from the chandeliers, just really pumped and excited for... So you went from this... Yes. This little bit of interest in, oh, I think I'll just have my child baptized. Mm, in to 10 weeks. swinging from the chandelier. Yeah. Is, is that what you said? Yeah, <laughs> self-declared Jesus freak. Oh, wow. In 10 weeks. <laughs> and I understand that the course ends with some type of a retreat. Oh, yes. You How have is a, that for you? You have a weekend away, mm-hmm. and it's completely focused on the Holy Spirit. And again, I didn't really know. I knew about the Holy Ghost, which was this sort of remote you know, mystical Mm -hmm. figure. Mm -hmm. But the Alpha Weekend, you really learn about the Holy Spirit being a friend and a comforter and a guide Mm. uh, and a a convictor. And that's what I experienced. And the Holy Spirit really came and ministered to me on that weekend. And that's when I became this giggling, joyful Jesus freak. (laughs) You know, like there was... There was a transformation that happened on that weekend that has stayed with me mm-hmm. ever since, which is amazing. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is Lisa Tazia, who was a successful travel agent when God got a hold of her heart and she then became a travel agent for the Lord. We'll hear how God led her to start mission travel and help missionaries when we return. The story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1 800 Pray For Me. That's 1 800 772 936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is Lisa Tazia, who was a successful travel agent when God got a hold of her heart, and she then became a travel agent for the Lord. Before the break, we heard how she became a Christian. Next, we'll hear how God was working in her life and leading her to be involved in overseas missions. So here you are, here you were, I should say, mm. a travel agent. Yep. Kind of a hedonistic travel agent yeah. is what you said. Was that kind of what the travel industry was like back then? Fully. It's just all about pleasure and leisure hmm. and all about you. Hmm. And really that, that weekend, I kind of, you know, I, I, I have been known to say that I came to Jesus kicking and screaming in some regard because I was counting the cost that I really loved my life. You know, I loved traveling and jet setting and mm. doing what I wanted and, you know, being successful and having disposable money and income. And, you know, if I felt, you know, if I saw a movie on Mexico, I'd just book a trip to Mexico, you know, like it was wow. just this amazing yeah. life. And I was really worried about, hang on, what does becoming a Christian mean? Yeah. How is it going to change my life? And if it's going to make it less fun... <laughs> <laughs> well, you found out there was some it. traveling involved, but a different type of traveling. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. So tell us about that first trip you took for the Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, there's this whole thing. This yeah, how did whole, that come about? This whole Christian thing called mission trips yeah. that I'd never heard of, obviously, because <laughs> I'm a new Christian. Yeah. Um, but a friend of mine uh, was helping a young man set up a, a not-for-profit organization, and he was a young Christian guy. And uh, one of his mentors came to us and said, you know, you're a businesswoman. Can you kind of walk alongside and mentor this young guy in setting up this uh, aid organisation called the Oak Tree Foundation? And um, I said I'd be very happy to help. And one of the things that they wanted to do was to get some of their supporters in the early years of them setting up the organisation, and they had projects in mainly in South Africa, uh, was to get some people over there to have a look. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it was a mission trip, but it was also, you know, it could be seen as a corporate study tour or a major donor tour. There's lots mm-hmm. of different lingo around what the objective of that particular trip was. Mm. I look back for me personally, it was a mission trip because God put me on that mission and he did a work in me there that, you know, I had never in all the traveling that I'd done, even to countries that were impoverished, Mm -hmm. I was blinded to the plight of the orphan and the widow Mm -hmm. before I became a Christian. So before the Holy Spirit came and lived in me, I had a hardness about what I saw Hmm. And it was very easy to just turn on and look the other way. Uh, if you were going to, you know, Bali or Indonesia or India, and you were heading in a in a in a private limousine to your five star hotel, you'd just wind the windows up and you wouldn't hmm. look. Yeah. Whereas a mission trip, the windows are down hmm. and you're breathing yeah. in the smelly air, hmm. and the Holy Spirit is telling you that you're, you know, you've got to do something. You've been equipped to do something. So that trip totally broke me. Um, it broke all of that hardness down. We were there in uh, 2004. It was still the HIV pandemic was at its absolute worst in South Africa. Mm-hmm. It was uh, we were working in communities that had a 60 to 80 percent infection rate, mm. and we literally had babies dying in our arms. People bringing oh, wow. their children yeah. uh, because the parents had died. It was just completely obliterating these communities. 
And I was I, on the last day before we got on the plane, I went for a walk along the beach in Durban and I just wept and wept mm. and wept. I was so broken and confused and paralyzed and overwhelmed. And I just cried out to God and said, Why did you bring me here? You know, it was just, it was magnificent, but it was awful. And I just mm. didn't know what to do. And I felt like at that moment, God was saying to me, You're a travel agent. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Use what you do for me and for my purposes. And it was, you know, it wasn't audible, but mm. it was pretty yeah. close. It was very clear that God was saying, Use what you're doing every day, not for pina coladas by the pool <laughs> and all the glitz that goes with traveling. And all the glitz traveling. and yeah. the glamour that goes with travel, but yeah. use it to facilitate people who I call to come and work and minister to the poor. So I've now got a massive heart for the poor, refugees, um, you know, any kind of sort of uh, injustice. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a Christian, um, God puts a fire in your belly and a mm -hmm. fire in your heart. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, that, that has been mission is to just... You know, it, it's and it's not necessarily about getting on a plane and going. Yeah, you can do just as much work uh, by sending the money and staying home. Mm -hmm. Quite mm -hmm. frankly, and that was one of the things I really wrestled with as a as a missionary focused travel agent was the money and the carbon emission and all of the sort of things that go into sending people. Mm. But I just think you have to trust that God has got all that. Yeah, He understands yeah. all those things, and to just respond to the call. So you had this spiritual experience on the mm, beach. Yeah. God's working in your heart. Did you know what that was going to look like, what he was tugging you to do? Not really. Um, it took another 18 months to come up with the mission travel concept. And what was that concept? It was to specialize in Christian travel for mission. So mm -hmm. uh, Exclusively? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's how it started out. Um Thank goodness, because as we mentioned, that's how, that's how you I got I on board. Got a ticket at one point. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's that was pretty much what it was. But we we discovered fairly quickly that it was it was a not for profit business because it was very difficult to make money. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, within a couple of years, we had to start bringing in tours to Israel and to other biblical sites to kind of balance the books. So the mission travel part of the business was always not for profit and it wasn't intentionally not for profit. It just wasn't profitable. Mm. And so we started bringing in these Holy Land tours as a, you know, a leisure type product to just cover our costs so that we could still do what we wanted to do mm -hmm. by getting people to where they needed to go and making it commercially sustainable at the same time. Now we'll come back to that aspect, but I just wanted to say that your friend, Christine, told me that at one point while you were doing this mission travel that you donated like $200,000 of the income toward yeah. missions. Is that right? So actually, when now that I think about it, Eric, with that moment on the beach, when we set the business up from the very beginning, before we even took a dollar, I went to my accountant and said, we need to set this up so that we can give money away. Hmm. It, was, it was a conviction that I had. I don't know where it came from. Obviously, it came from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I set the business up as a, a, a beneficiary trust. So from the beginning, that's what we did. And then it took a number of years before we even covered our costs. We didn't, I didn't get paid for yeah, you the were first working two years. And with employees yes, who were getting we, we paid. we had staff, but we didn't 
did you not didn't pay draw an ourselves. And then eventually we got to a point where I think we started in early 2006. We got to about 2010 mm-hmm. and we had saved or created profit of $100,000. So we had a massive event and we declared that we were giving away $100,000. So we oh, did yes, whole, I remember uh, that. Yeah. So we did that twice. Uh, and then now, we did how are you giving that one. away? So we gave it away. We, we did two. We, you know, we don't know what we're doing here. We've just <laughs> got all this money and we want to give it to people. And nice problem to have. Yeah, it was a great problem to have, <laughs> but it was actually quite overwhelming. Yeah. So the first time we did a whole range of grants, so five and $10,000 grants, and they were to Christian organizations, not-for-profit organizations. Um, they were to Bible colleges or people that wanted to go to Bible college but couldn't afford the fees. Um, because of my love of Africa and like this whole business being seeded from a trip to Africa, Mm-hmm. We had an Africa grant for people because there's a lot of people that really love Africa, not just mm. me. Um, so we had a whole range of different grants for individuals and organisations and we just divvied it up that way. And you had like a contest that people could write an essay on why they should go on a missions trip yep. to Africa. Do I yep. have that right? Yes. So they had to do it, fill in an application and tell their story. It was just the most wonderful. It took me three weeks to read those applications. Uh, we thought we would get between five and 600 applications for the $100,000 worth of grants, and we got 3,000 oh, applications. Wow. That's a lot of reading. There's <laughs> a lot of tissues. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of tears. Oh, wow. Uh, it was yeah. very inspiring to hear how God had put ideas and plans and thoughts on people's hearts. It was incredible. Tell us about your first winner, Craig Shepherd. Oh, Craig. God bless Craig. Yeah. So he won our first Africa grant, mm-hmm. and he had told this beautiful story about his passion and love for Africa. Even as a small child, he had an Africa box mm. and he had Africa trinkets and, um, you know, different things that he kept in his box. And just, you know, the way that the cards were dealt with him, he, he came from a family that were, you know, it was hard work putting food on the table. Mm. There was ne- it was never an option, never yeah. a dream yeah. to ever get on a plane and, you know, go somewhere, let alone go to Africa. Yeah. So it was it was wonderful to be able to put him on a plane. He and his wife Jane went for a month, mm-hmm. and um, it was truly like it was just a dream come true. And they they made relationships that they've you know stayed with you know the last ten years or so. Craig recently passed away during the pandemic, mm. and um, I stay in touch with Jane, his wife. You know, this is the thing. You stay in but touch with But he never people. would have had a chance no, if it wasn't for no. what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. So How in the world did you special. decide? Ugh. I mean, obviously, you wanted Craig to go on that because it's a special story. Yeah. But you had to pass up probably a whole lot of other ones. Uh, the, again, uh, look, it sounds like I've spent half my life crying, but it was really <laughs> tough. And I yeah. ended up getting a, a panel of judges to, to just help me with the shortlisting. Mm-hmm. Also, from a conflict of interest point of view, you get to know lots of oh, people yeah. in the Christian yeah. community and you don't want to be um, unintentionally biased towards yeah. a particular person. So mm-hmm. we did end up having a judging panel. That took the pressure off as well, yeah. that it wasn't yeah. quite so personal. Um, but, you know, mission travel is a heart business for me. It wasn't just a, a way to make money or a niche business. You know, a lot of people in the travel industry would introduce me in the secular travel industry that, oh, Lisa, she's a smart cookie. She came up with this great niche. Hmm. It's like it's not a niche. They're thinking it's a, a marketing strategy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, It's not a marketing strategy. But it, it was, was a your call heart. from God. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Now, you would get calls. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, the glamorous travel industry, <laughs> but 
as a mission travel agent, you would get calls in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., because somebody, some missionary somewhere needed to get out of a country because there was a revolution or something? Yep. Tell yep. us about yeah. the time well, we you had got the, the call. We had a Haiti uh, situation in Haiti. Mm-hmm. We had a team there um, dealing with the earthquakes, so a relief team, and things just got really dangerous overnight, and they had to get out. It was almost one of those situations where if we don't leave now, we may not get out at all. So they're calling. They're calling. With the time difference. Correct. Happens to be 3 a.m. for yeah. you. But, you know, Eric, this is this is travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's travel with a heart mm-hmm. in that we didn't have an answering machine that went on at 5.30. You know, we diverted the phone to a mobile and we took that mobile home and it sat on the bedside mm-hmm. table. Like that's just what you do wow. when you're passionate about what you do. You're not doing it for any other reason. So it was very common to get calls in the middle of the night uh, and do not just a call, but like you had to wake up now because it was mm. an emergency. You had get to me get out them of on this the country. Next. It's like get in a cab and make your way to the airport and I will get you a ticket to somewhere. Oh, wow. Somehow. Yeah. Wow. That happened That's a lot. That's personalized service. Really? <laughs> yes, happened a lot. It did. Now, on the Facebook page for Mission Travel, mm. There was a story. Hi, Lisa. I will remember calling you from Shanghai Airport 10 years ago. We had missed our flights to Helsinki due to a late train and had been told we'd need to buy new tickets, which we couldn't afford. Our son was throwing up. I was feeling (laughs) ill. It was during SARS crisis, and everyone was being temperature tested before embarking, and no one would help us. I managed to call you, and your statement was, apparently you said this to her on the phone, I'm not going home till I've sorted this out. And that was followed by you saying, don't cry. <laughs> you fixed our tickets and we made it to Helsinki and then the UK with just two days lost, all thanks to you. So with this memory, I wish you all the best for the future. Kind regards. Oh, that's lovely. And missionary who you helped. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine there were several of these uh, all the time. type stories. Yeah, and it's a bit of a... You- it's a bit of an adrenaline rush as well. Like, I guess you can look at problems mm-hmm. and situations that come out of nowhere where you feel a little bit blindsided. You can either kind of crouch back and go, well, I can't do anything. Mm. Or you can see it as a great challenge and you just sort of inject with adrenaline and you just give it a go. So that's the nature of what travel is. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you're really passionate about it, you just do what you need to do. Well, it was great to hear how Lisa Tazia was able to help so many missionaries over the years by using her skills as a travel agent. But unfortunately, the travel agency she founded in order to do this, Mission Travel, has come to an end. We invite you to join us again next time for part two of Lisa's conversation with Eric Scadabo when she'll share why she had to shut down Mission Travel and about some of the challenges she's faced being in the travel industry when COVID has changed everything. That's all coming up next time. But before we end today, I just want to emphasise a lesson we can all learn from Lisa's story, and that is that it doesn't matter what profession we're in, we all can serve the Lord in whatever we do. As the Bible says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And how do we give glory to God in all we do? 
by exercising faith in him and by offering our lives as living sacrifices. So it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or a school teacher or any profession, we all can do our best to serve the Lord every day and to bring joy to our Heavenly Father. Well, thanks for joining us for part one of Lisa Tazia's story. Until next time, when we'll hear part two, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. It's ironic, you know, the how I started in travel before I was a Christian, that it was all about, you know, the holiday, the experience, the, the kudos, to now kind of, you know, in the space of, I don't know, 20 years, becoming someone that's focused on getting on a plane and going somewhere so that you can know Jesus better. After becoming a Christian, Lisa Tazia has been using her skills as a travel agent for the Lord. She's joining us again to share how trips to the Holy Land can help bring people closer to God. Also, she'll share about some of the challenges she's faced being in the travel industry when COVID has changed everything. That's all coming up next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.